0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check this out (laughs) on this podcast. We're going to take it back. We're going back to November 7th, 1995. On that day, Goody Mob released their debut smash album, Soul Food, and we're going to talk about it. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, I can't believe this album is actually turning 25 years old. But it is. Honestly, I remember the day that I went to pick up the CD from the record store. Um, but yeah, man, this album is turning 25 years old. Uh, Goody Mob, this was, as I mentioned, their first release, um, on LaFace Records. Uh, if you had been following hip hop at that particular time, you knew that Goody Mob was a part of the Dungeon family. Of course, the members of Goody Mob were Big Gip, T-Mo, Kujo, and of course, CeeLo. Um so at that particular time my introduction to Goody Mob really came through the guys that preceded them in their crew, the Dungeon Family crew, uh Outcast. Um I was introduced to Goody Mob through Outcast on Outcast's debut album, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, which came out in nineteen ninety four. And then subsequently, Goody Mob was next to drop. But these guys were, you know, a quartet out of Atlanta. um, Four cats who, in my opinion, could really, really spit. And, um, you know, I just remember CeeLo's verse on Get Up, Get Out on Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Music. And when I heard, you know, that verse, I was like, okay, this dude's legit. Like, you know, I'm all in. And um, of course, at least to me, Goody Mob would not disappoint. Um, We started hearing rumblings about an album that was coming and uh, they were dubbed by some music critics as the southern version of Public Enemy. (laughs) And when I heard that, I was like, shh sign me up i mean because pe you know that's for me that was my group so upon hearing that and you know first purchasing this album and um you know just kind of diving into who these guys were and what they were about and uh you know where they were from and a whole nine um it was just really really intriguing to me man and I really just took to this album um again november 7th 1995, uh, the album is produced exclusively by, uh, organized noise. Now, if you're familiar with the dungeon family, uh, (laughs) organized noise should not be a, you know, stranger to you. Uh, obviously the members of organized noise, Rico Wade, sleepy Brown, and Ray Murray. That's the production team of organized noise. And, you know, when you, think about the production as to how this album actually sounds, I guess, before I get into that, uh, you want to take a look at this album as to how it actually looks. Um, the cover art is the members of Goody Mob and they're sitting at a table and they're about to eat and you see them praying. And I think, I just remember when I picked the CD up to pick, to to purchase it. My first thought was, wow, that's different because in hip hop, you didn't really get a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like these guys were supposed to be these Southern rap revolutionaries. And on the album cover, They're praying over food, but it ties into the theme of the album. Soul food It's that you're about to the food that you're about to eat in this album. You'll have to digest it. But as a courtesy, particularly in the south, you pray before you eat. And I found that to be very symbolic of this album, particularly as I listened to it and grew to love this album. Um, so that was one of the first things that stood out to me as far as the album. Um, secondly, the production from Organized Noise, um, man, this album had a little bit of everything. Uh, it was funky. It was kind of grimy. It was unapologetically Southern. (laughs) I guess I should say that off the top um there was a gospel feel to it um there was poetry and spoken word there were interludes and skits um thought provoking rhymes revolutionary rhymes and also rhymes that just you know just kind of make you think and and, and really want to do something <laughs> I guess that's the best way I could describe their music. But that was Goody Mob. And that that's exactly what this album was. It was an album that really made you want to do something. Um and it made you think. You know, it at the same time it made you jam. And I think one of the key things about this album is that even in their messaging, because there was a message in almost every song. They don't come off as preachy, right? Kind of like public enemy did in, in, in their prime. Uh, very not preachy, but very thought provoking, but still with sound and vigor that you could bob your head to, you could dance to. And, um, you know, just something that you would want to listen to over and over. And I I just remember buying this album and buying the CD and just... I was hooked. <laughs> and it was an album that um, I really took to. And it has, to me, gotten even better over the years. And um, it is still a joy to listen to, for me. Um, I never never ever grow tired of listening to this album but um like i said the production was it was a little bit of everything and and not only was it unapologetically southern but it was definitely unequivocally atlanta um i don't think i realized at the time how much <laughs> how much they shouted out and and you know promoted this city and when i say this city is it's because that's where i live i live in atlanta i've lived in atlanta since 1997 and this album came out 1995 and much like outcast when they came out in 1994 for me as a hip hop fan it felt really really good to see rappers from the south who could rhyme i mean there was a point in time where in hip hop rap, um, if you were from the South, you know, you were, <laughs> cause the South was known for like booty shake mo- music. It, it was, that's all it was. It was just, and so MCs from the South were never respected. I mean, like to call someone from the South, uh, an MC was almost unheard of at that, that, that particular time. Um, prior to outcast and that's not to say that there weren't hip-hop acts from the south or from Atlanta specifically but prior to outcast I don't think there was a movement in rap to champion lyricists from the south but the thing about this dungeon family crew is that everybody could rhyme (laughs) and they were gonna push each other and push each other's pen Um, that was one thing that stood out about this album. Um, just their lyricism. And again, they did not come off preachy. Um, another thing that stood out to me was the emergence of CeeLo, uh, who would later be CeeLo Green. Um, I, I don't want to say that CeeLo was the star of this album because I don't want people to think that, you know, he outshined Gibb, Cujo, and Timo because I'll say this each of them had different songs on this album where I could say they outrhymed each other. And like everybody had a, a song or two where they were just killing it. I don't think that there's any wasted spaces or any wasted verses on this album but I do think that there were a few songs that each guy got off. Like Cujo got off on a couple of joints. Gip got off on a couple of joints. Timo got off on a couple of joints, but I think CeeLo probably got off more and he emerged from this album. I think being kind of like the star. Uh, I noticed also that, uh, and I don't know if they did this particularly for a particular reason, but, because it's four of them rhyming CeeLo normally goes last, uh, on most of the tracks. Uh, I don't know if that's by design or, you know, how they did that or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, those are a couple of things that I took away from it. Just, you know, listening to it initially. Uh, but this is a great, great album. Again, it's hard to believe that it's turning 25 years old. Um, But the production was crazy. Uh, The rhymes were crazy. And I think they give us a a very good insight as to, you know, where they were coming from and what they were about. And, you know, lastly, uh, one of the things I also took away from the album, much like Outkast. For me as a fan, there was a certain level of appreciation and, and a certain level of pride if you will because again these are cats that look like me walk like me talk like me even though I wasn't from Atlanta they were southern young men and for all intents and purposes we were about the same age they might be a little bit older than me but not by much I think we're pretty much about the same age um So that was something in and of itself. So that was a level of pride to see that uh, be performed on Wax, um, you know, and and have them come out and just, you know, be so great on this album. But, uh, you know, those were some of my early takeaways about what I really, really took from this album. Again, crazy production. This album, I want to say it went gold so it sold 500,000 copies uh within like the first couple of months or whatever um so it, it it was it sold very well I mean all things considered it wasn't and and keep in mind that for a group like this to go gold is saying a lot because hip-hop was shifting this is 1995 a lot of things is changing as far as like what people were rhyming about um money had become an issue um in hip hop because there was a lot of it and everybody was trying to get it and everybody was rhyming about it. And you got these four guys from Atlanta that, you know, said, nah, we're not going this way, we're going this way. And that's what they were about. And um this album, you know, really shows, you know, how they went about doing that. And I think it's something that I think really has uh, cemented their legacy as one of the best albums of the year of 1995. Uh, I tell you what, this is a great place to take a quick commercial. We'll hear from Goody Mob and on the other side of the break, uh, we'll break down the tracks. So sit tight. Uh, it's your boy 12 Kyle. This is the 12 Kyle podcast. And we're talking about Goody Mob, soul food, 25 years later. Here on the 12 Kyle podcast. We'll be back in just a second.
1: Once they got wind of what we were saying, yeah. they started bleeping out certain words. Because I remember um, they bleeped out uh, black man when T Mo was saying, Is your word black man? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Reach the planet without the black man. They blacked that out. So like I said it was really something was going on in the south that people wasn't um expecting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They was expecting the same old fast food um uh, potato chip uh now and later rap. Yeah. Type thing they was expecting some ignorance, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? But once they got wind that it's somebody down there talking about something, like I said I'm not an entertainer, you mm-hmm. feel what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a real I'm a real person. Yeah, that's been exposed to some truth. Yeah, and once that truth get into you, you ain't got no choice but to speak that truth.
0: And just like that, we are back. <laughs> once again, it's your boy Twelve Kyle, and this is the Twelve Kyle podcast, and we are talking about. Goody Mob, their debut album, Soul Food, as it turns 25 years old. <laughs> um, as I mentioned before the break, uh, we were going to talk about the tracks. Uh, so this album actually starts off with uh, an interlude, um, which is uh, CeeLo Green singing. Uh, track one is called Free. And now if this song doesn't remind you of going to church, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. But it's rare that you would start off an album with what sounds like a gospel hymnal. Uh, But that just kind of shows you where Goody Mob is going to take you with this album. Um, So it starts off with free. Then we move to track two, thought process. Uh, featuring Andre 3000 from Outkast. Now there's a couple of verses on this album, excuse me, on this, uh, on this song that stood out to me. Uh, The first is the verse from Big Gip. And it really didn't hit me until I moved here in 1997. What he's talking about is uh, the political side of Atlanta. And Atlanta was a city that obviously grew and exploded and uh, exploded in popularity, you know, particularly in the 1990s after the 1996 Olympics. But prior to that, Atlanta was, you know, it dubbed itself the city too busy to hate. It was supposed to be the New York of, of the South. Um, But it was a lot of corruption and things and things of that nature going on here. And so Gip takes it the political route he says, "Can't make no moves when you're in the hands of the man. They got some new suites down Pete Street. Left wing for the Feds, right wing for the hardheads. Making more deals than Buddy Folks made with Hartsfield. Let me stop there. Buddy Folks was a city councilman who got into trouble because, as they were building and expanding the Hartsfield International Airport." Uh, several businessmen were getting kickbacks uh, for having certain legislations pass. Now, when the airport was built, the mayor, the then mayor of the city wanted to make sure that, you know, minorities, particularly blacks in particular, got, you know, some of the contracts for the airport uh, they wanted to be included. And so it was supposed to be a joint partnership, but what ended up happening was over the years, as time went on and they were adding, like, I think, like another runway and some other contracts to the the airport. Uh, some of these white businesses and businessmen were in cahoots with each other and getting kickbacks. And it was a federal investigation and guys went to jail, so forth and so on. So Gip goes this route. And uh, he goes on to say, somebody don't want my face in this place for ninety six. Shit slick. Car be clean, looking fresh dog. be scratching at my chest under the order of who guess who ain't none iller than Miller. When a one to your ass, no more life for what you gave in the past. Cause ain't no future. When a Miller camp, your case disgrace your face, make it seem to be safe. Ain't no place to run. Now what he's talking about there was, uh, at the time of that recording, the governor of Georgia was a guy by the name of Zell Miller and Zell Miller Uh, as you were familiar with the the three strikes rule, Zell Miller had a one, two rule. So if you got convicted of two felonies, you could be facing, uh, an extremely amount of, uh, prison time. Um, so, you know, Git was speaking on something that, you know, was, we were feeling as far as like in the black community. And I thought that was very key. And again, it was, it wasn't something that I picked up on until later on. Um, then the second verse really got me was, uh, (laughs) CeeLo Green's verse, Uh, which I think is one of the best verses on the album. He starts off by saying, sometimes I don't even know how I'm going to eat. About $20 away from being on the street. Shit, you might see a nuh on TV, but hell, it's almost like I'm rapping for free. That little money be gone. God damn it, I'm grown. Gotta help keep the heat and the lights on. It would be nice to have more, but I kind of like being poor. At least I know what my friends are here for. I want to lie to you sometimes, but I can't. I want to well, tell you that it's all good, but it ain't. It's uh, hurting and uncertain about if they're going to make it or not. That's why we got new uh, killing feeling like they coming up off a little dope. They sold. You can get some gold, but we won't make it as a whole because without you, there'd be no me. And without no unity, there will never be any happiness. You could smoke a pound of cess, and it still won't relieve your stress. God bless my thought process. Shh, bruh, <laughs> when I heard that verse, I was like, yo, it was crazy. And it was its one of the few times I think and Andre 3000 follows up his verse behind that. But it's one of the few times where I think like, like I didn't necessarily need, even need to hear an Andre 3000 verse after that. And Andre delivers a really good verse, but it, it, they could have really ended it with C-Los. Um Dope, dope song, one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, then you move to track three, uh, the Red Dog skit. Now, this is interesting because Red Dog was a... Um, the the skit is about these guys, you know, of course, they're in the trap house selling drugs and the Red Dogs kicking the door and they bust in and they, you know, tell them not to flush the drugs down the toilet anything like that. Uh, the Red Dog unit was a. How can I put this? They were kind of like an offset from the police department. Uh, they were a street unit that was, you know, responsible for, you know, kind of stopping the the flow of drugs through the city of Atlanta. Um, But a lot of Red Dog police, you know, they went kind of rogue and they had their own little units off the Red Dog. So like, if the Red Dogs got you, you know, um, you know, they may, instead of taking you to jail, they may say, well, look, I'm gonna let you hustle, but you're gonna give me fifty percent of what you what you pulling in like that. Um, very dirty, very shady. Uh <laughs> I actually know a guy I ain't gonna say his name. I know a guy who used to run with red dogs, and he it, when I found out he was running with him, I'm not in the least bit surprised because he was shady anyway, but that's another story for another day. Uh then we moved to track four. Uh the anthem dirty south featuring big boy and cool breeze um man this is like i said it's the anthem dirty south that phrase was coined by cool breeze who was a a, another member of the dungeon family crew um i hope and pray that and i'm pretty sure he didn't but I wish that he had um, made that a copyright because nobody had ever uttered those words together in the same sentence, the Dirty South, until Cool Breeze did it on this song. And if he had made a copyright um, or a trademark, he'd probably be a whole lot more wealthy than he is right now. Um, but shout out to Cool Breeze, man. This song is incredible. Um, it's a it's a club banger. It's a joint that still bangs on the radio. Uh, and one of my favorites on the album, Never Get Tired of Hearing It. And the next song, track five, Cell Therapy. This was the lead single from the album. Man, listen, this song... <laughs> When you listen to this song and you watch the video, you'll get an understanding as to why people love Goody Mob the way that they do. This song is incredible. It, it still bangs. It was it was very radio friendly. But when you hear that piano, <laughs> you already know what time it is. Like it, it, it's one of my favorites on the album. Um, Quite honestly, I never get tired of hearing this song. Um, It still goes to this day. And it was a smash, one of the one of the smashes from 1995. Um, The next track, track six, Sesame Street. Um, Another one where they they each of the four members of Goody Mob give you different tales of, you know, just street life in Atlanta in the nineties and what it was like to be living here and, and growing up here. I mean, they're all were born and raised here. Um, and while you don't get the, the guts and glory of, you know, guys getting shot and killed and stuff like that, they give you very thought provoking rhymes that make you just kind of think and, and, and they paint very vivid pictures of, uh, you know, life at that particular time. And, and it's, I think this is a song that I think for me I didn't really gravitate towards it when I first heard it the first couple of times but it grew on me and I really really like this joint. Um then we move to track 7, Guess Who. Uh to me one of the standout tracks on this album. Uh Guess Who is a song where each, four, each of the four members of Goody Mob tell a story about their mothers. And while it's not the, you know, the, the feel good, dear mama type song, uh, this one, it, it, it really speaks to the level and the strength of the black mother. Um, I love this joint, man. I mean, each of them, Gip talks about how, you know, his mother, you know, bailed him out and they talk about how, you know, their mother always looked out for him. And CeeLo talked about how his mother was paralyzed in a car accident and, and they, they didn't think she'd make it. And she eventually, you know, would pass away, but very, very, heart-wrenching stories, but also you can also hear the level of pride in these young men as they speak about their mothers. And I think I could relate to that, uh, that song, because I think at that particular time, and even to this day, I mean like this, there's just a level of love and respect for my mom. Um, but yeah, that song is still, still, still dope to me to this day. Um, Then we go to the track nine, excuse me, track eight, which is the Serenity Prayer skit. Uh, Then track nine, Fighting. Another one. This one's tight. Another tight joint. The one thing that stands out about this this song to me is that CeeLo doesn't even rap. He gives you spoken word.
2: Hey, hold on, folk. I ain't writing no verse for this, man. Just let me holler at them for a man. No song. As individuals and as a people, we are at war. But the majority of my side got their eyes open wide but still don't recognize what we fighting for. I guess that's what I'm writing for, to try to shed some light. But we've been in the darkness so long and don't know right from wrong, y'all scared to come near it. You ignore the voice in your head when you hear it. The enemy is after your spirit, but you think it's all in your mind. You'll find a lot of the reason why we behind is because the system is designed to keep our third eyes blind. But not blind in the sense that our other two eyes can't see. You just end up investing quality time in places you don't even need to be. We don't even know who we are. But the answer ain't far. Matter of fact, it's right up under our nose. But the system taught us to keep that book closed. See, the reason why he got a lie to see is so that we won't act accordingly to get the best we supposed to receive. Yeah, it's true. Uncle Sam wants you to be a devil too. See, he's jealous because his skin is a curse. But what's worse is if I put it in a verse, y'all listen to some bullshit first. We ain't natural boy killers. We are a spiritual people. God's chosen few. Think about the slave trade when they had boats with thousands of us on board. And we still was praising the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But now niggas is ready to die over a coat, a necklace around your throat. That's bullshit. Black people, y'all better realize that we losing. You better goddamn fight. And die if you got to for to get your spirit and your mind back. And we got to do it together. Good and mob means the good die mostly over bullshit. You take one O away and it'll let you know that God is every man of blackness. For the Lord has spoken to mind 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 me and the g Green. And,
0: and I mean, that's, that's Celo. That's 100% Celo Green. And I love this joint, man. I love this joint. And it still goes hard to this day. Um, track 10, Blood is a skit. Uh, then we move to track 11, Live at the Omni. Uh, one million new inside. <laughs> uh, this is interesting because um, if I'm not mistaken, and this is what I've heard, there was a entertainment slash uh, arcade slash youth type place where kids would go called the Omni. And I want to say that that place was post Wayne Williams, if I'm not mistaken. So we're talking mid to late eighties. Um, but it was like this arcade place where kids would go and hang out or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know where, where it was. Cause again, I wasn't here at the time, but this is what I've heard. Um, and I'm sure someone who was <laughs> born and raised, there would probably uh, either tell me I'm right or tell me I'm wrong. But yeah, the Omni was actually a place. Now there's a dual meaning because the Omni was also uh, from the mid seventies to the, to the, I want to say to like 1995, 96. Um, the Omni was also the name of the, uh, basketball arena where the hometown Atlanta Hawks played, uh, before they built uh Phillips arena, which is like in the middle of downtown. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, this is this is a dope joint, man, and this it, this is one of the ones where they pay homage to the city, um, and I like it. I, I really, I still like this song. Uh, it, it still it still goes for me. Um, then we get to track twelve, goodie bag, <laughs> man. This is another one. Um, this joint again. The thing that I like about Goody Mob on this song is what I like about Goody Mob on this album. Um, They have the ability to rap. And not only that, they have the ability to throw in political references or their disdain for the local or federal politics. But it never comes off as preachy. It never comes off as something where they're beating you over the head with the messages. They just they just drop little gems here and there uh, that make you want to think and make you want to do certain things. Um, So, yeah, I'm still rolling on that joint. Um, Then we move to track 13. Soul Food, which is the title of the album. Another single that was released at a video um, again, man. <laughs> oh, man. So they're talking about getting soul food and they're talking about and they, and they actually shout out some of the, the soul food landmarks that are in this city. Um, but as I've gotten older, I realize also that it's about, you know, this song is about not just feeding yourself physically, but feeding yourself mentally and spiritually and i think that's one of the things that this album actually does so it's it's while they're talking about food they're also talking about feeding your mind and feeding your body and i think that's one of the things that uh again one of the themes of this album that you know cannot be ignored uh as far as their intent and as far as what they try to do um then we move to track 14, which is a funeral skit. Uh, this is interesting because the album kind of takes a little darker turn at this point. Uh, there's a funeral, um, and you hear the guys kind of talking about their friend King Bean who, uh, died, or I'm not sure if he died or if he was murdered. And to be honest, I'm not sure if that's a real, I'm I'm assuming that it's a real person, but this sounds so authentic. And what kind of stuck out to me about this particular skit leading into the next track. I didn't ask to come, um, was that at that particular time in the nineties, if you were around our age, you know, and if you grew up in a city like Atlanta or New York or LA or Chicago, um, you probably were allowed. You probably were around a lot of death, right? You probably were around a lot more deaths that you should have been, and so maybe, just maybe, you may have had to bury a, a close relative or a friend or homeboy. And what this skit kind of teaches me is that, like, even though I did not have that in my life. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, it, it, it serves as a subtle reminder that, um, living in a place like this made them grow up faster, probably than they wanted to. And, um, you know, you could hear the pain in their voices as they were talking about it. And again, it was recorded, but it sounded so real and so authentic. And then, as I mentioned, you, it leads into track 15. I didn't ask to come. And they say it in the chorus born into these crooked ways. I never even asked to come. So now I'm living in a daze. I struggle and fright to stay alive, hoping that one day I earn my chance to die. I mean, we all will perish at some point. And it's like in this song, they're just talking about the struggle about what we went through as young black men seeing a society and a world watch us drop, watch bodies drop and not really care. And then how we supposed to move on when everybody, when nobody else cares. Um, so that was really dope. Uh, then track 16, uh, the Rico skit It's Rico Wade talking um, track 17 uh, is the coming featuring uh, another which uh, another uh, crew member uh from the dungeon family crew the witch doctor um this joint is okay right um this is probably the song i would take off the album uh it's not that it's a bad song it's not that it's a skip um it's just <laughs> It's just not a song. I I th- I thought the album was flowing, and that kind of broke up the flow. Um, again, I, I I implore you to listen for yourself. Um, you know, but it was it was okay. It was okay. Um, then track eighteen is a CeeLo skit. CeeLo is, is is spitting some real right here about how and why, you know, we should be prospering and why white people are the way that they are uh very very pro black uh i this this joint is 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 fun to listen to um and then the uh album ends with track nineteen uh the day after uh featuring Rony, um and this sounds like a church song i mean like it sounds like a gospel song is really really good um and a great way to to end the album um All in all, 19 tracks, including skits. uh, The total running time on the album is uh, 61 minutes. Um, I love this album. This is an album that I still listen to at least once or twice a month. Um, And and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's hard to believe that this album is 25 because it it has aged very well. Um, So ultimately, If I'm scoring it at home and I'm giving it a mic under the source mic system with uh, one mic, two mics, one mic being whack, two mics being um, average, three mics being good, four being superior, five being a classic, how many mics would I give Goody Mob's Soul Food album? Hmm. This one would get four and a half mics. It is that good. Uh, like I said, they didn't waste a lot of time. They didn't waste. I mean, it's right to the point. I think the skits are on point. I think the subject matter is really, really dope. And I think you get a chance to hear four MCs just really, just, just spit. And and it's and they're all on one accord. And I think, you know, one of the things about this album that, you know, has stood the test of time is that a lot of what they rapped about from the social and political and economic stance, um, unfortunately, still applies to this day. And uh, you can take lessons from that. Uh, and still apply it to this day. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that stands out about timeless music is that when you listen to it in the era that it was, and then you take it out of that era and you still listen to it, you know, how does it stand up? How does it hold up? And I think this album does a great job. Uh, Again. Wow. (laughs) 25 years. Goody mob, soul food. uh, That's going to do it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. Five G's.